Hello, listeners. Welcome to episode one of a brand new podcast, Reach Out Parents Live. I'm Melissa Hoyer, your host and fellow parent. This podcast covers topics relevant to parents and aims to surface insights that will improve the relationship between you and your young person. Today, we're talking about how to figure out what's up with your teen and how to get your teen to open up. We're answering questions submitted via commenters on Facebook where this conversation originally appeared. Let's begin. I've got my two very special guests. The first one, of course, is Annie. Annie Wiley, you work with Reach Out. I mean, you are sort of the guru. (laughs) Um, Tell me exactly what you do. So I'm the content manager at Reach Out across our youth and our parents service. So um, what I do is I produce evidence-based resources, self-help content um, for young people and parents to use around tough times. Mm. So, you know, anxiety, depression, but also everyday issues, exam stress, bullying, friendship dramas. Um, And what we found uh, and sort of the reason we're here doing this, this whole discussion is that for parents, communication is just one of consistently one of their top three issues. It doesn't mean that parents aren't good at it. In fact, parents are great at communication, but it's one of those things that they're really consistently wanting to build their skills in. Um, and so we thought, let's let's do something about that and, and share sort of some of our knowledge. I mean, as a parent of a, of a 17-year-old who's just going through his HSC, I mean, they've done the formal, they've had the the dinner dance, they've done all that stuff. This is now getting to the pointy end of, of the year. But, you know, sometimes I think, oh, just talk to me a bit more, you know, and I know we're, we're going to talk about the grunt a little bit later. But, you know, sometimes I think, how do I talk to him? When should I talk to him? So I know that you have a lot of information about that. But I guess, you know, with you, Carter, so tell us about your relationship uh, with Reach Out. So Carter Opperman is uh, very, very involved with Reach Out. So tell me uh, what you get up to with them. Yeah, so I'm a youth ambassador at Reach Out. Um, I share my lived experience of mental health issues um, and what I've experienced over the past few years of my teenage life. Um, with the hopes of letting other people know that they're not alone in their struggles and to obviously help parents as well because they're a very important side of the support network that teenagers have um, during these years. And I'm also at my own pointy end. I've got my HSC <laughs> coming up. Um, just How are you graduated. feeling about that? Pretty good, pretty yeah. good. We'll see, yeah. Um, but communication is big at the moment between yes. myself and my family because there's a lot that I need, obviously, um, or would like. Um, and so having that communication is really important. I think, you know, talking about communication, actually we've got this really interesting video where we actually have spoken to quite a lot of parents. So let's, let's take a look. After he eats, he sort of opens up. It's like food first, feed me first, and then he talks. Sometimes we play the nothing game. What's wrong? Nothing. What's wrong? Nothing. What's nothing. wrong? Nothing. Could go on for two hours. <laughs> Um, when clearly there's something wrong. If they're closing down emotionally in the conversation to then um, not push too hard. You have to leave him be. We say, look, we know there's something wrong. We can't play the nothing game forever. So when you're ready to talk, just come and talk to us. If I can see that something's going on and I've asked a question, obviously, are you okay? Is there anything you want to talk about? And I get the mm, mm, grunt. Is everything okay with your sister? 
and if she says yes, I'll say, well, are you sure? Go and find out. I'm a bit worried. Don't tell her I'm asking. Any person, if you say to them, come on and sit down, we need to talk, then you automatically, you kind of shut it down. You, the person that you're talking to think they're in trouble. Start the conversation in, in relation to some peripheral space around that issue and ask some lower level questions just to start some conversation. Sometimes I just walk up and just give him a cuddle and just say, you know, I'm here. If you want to talk to me, I'm here. If they're not going to talk to you face to face, well, what are you going to do? You've got to try something. Well, get on their level, start messaging. You kind of have to sometimes plan times where you will be able to talk to the child that needs it in a quiet, undistracted place because they are less likely to chat to you if there's a lot going on. I find I have most success when I'm driving with one of my kids. You want to go for a drive and then we sit in the car and then it becomes more, I guess, a casual conversation and he's much likely, much more likely to, to talk to me then. When you don't have to have the eye contact, when you don't, you can just have that eyes straight ahead conversation um, in the confines of your car when there's no one else there to hear. The dinner table is often a good place for us to start, you know, exploring some of those um, conversations that we have with our kids. Just listen to them and let them say everything they need to say. Asking them how they feel about things um, is a good way of sort of being able to engage them in that process. You need to make sure they're aware that you're available. He shares his music. I love music. I love reading books and a whole bunch of other things that I've sort of managed to um, emphasise in his life. So we have a lot of common things that we can discuss. Interesting. What I liked about that was the conversations that you can have in the car. Yeah. I mean, my son, probably like you, has is now driving. Yeah. That's when we actually do talk a lot. How do you find? I mean, do you find? A car is a good place yeah. or is it the dinner table? Where do you tend to have your conversations now? Yeah, I think on, on the way to sort of like out of school activities, I think is a great time because you're sort of in that like transition phase of whatever's going on right now and you can just have a chat. It doesn't have to be serious. You've got other things to look at, like they said. Um, it's just, it's much more natural and flowing instead of sitting somebody down like on a bed and looking at them in the, in the eyes and saying, like what's wrong? Mm. That's that's very difficult for a young person to answer. Yes. Um, and so I, I know personally, my, the car is probably my favourite place to talk. Exactly. Well, that's I like. That's where I like listening. And, I, and and also, you are you in this environment. They they ain't going nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> they are there. You know, there's Drop there's no running out. upstairs yeah. to like you know watch telly or yeah. so. I think I think that's my my sort of uh, sort of favourite place. Yeah. The other thing that I think you know so much about Annie. Location, location, location. That could be a television show, but we won't go there. <laughs> but that is something that, 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 you know, I think um, certainly some of our parents uh, spoke about. Mm. And you are very big on that, knowing the where and the when mm. with communication. Yeah, so really thinking about the where and the when. We've spoken about a car might be a really good opportunity to have a chat because your eyes are on the road. You don't have sort of intense eye contact, yeah. washing the dishes. Um, but it's also about thinking about the when. So having a check-in with yourself. How are you feeling? Did you have a bad day at work? Have you just fought with your partner? Mm. Or maybe you're having a really great day, so it's a great time to have a conversation. Yep. And just taking that, it's like a minute, just to check in where you're at because you want to enter the uh, enter a bit of communication with your best foot forward. Yep. Um, so that's 
really, really important. And then the other thing is thinking about what distractions look like. So in the house, are you going to have a conversation in the kitchen when your partner's cooking dinner and one of the other kids is doing homework and actually you wanted to talk about how they your teen hasn't been doing very well in exams, maybe that's not the best time and place. Mm. Even if, you know, you've sort of, you've been sparked to have the conversation then, it's probably worth going outside, going for maybe for a walk around the block. Again, walk around the block. Eyes are forward. You can have a bit of you know, eye yes. contact, but you can also kind of head down, keep going if it's getting a bit awkward. Um, and you don't have those distractions of kids, partners, TVs, yes. phones, all of that sort of stuff. Mm. Okay, of course, we're coming here live from Facebook headquarters, so please join in the conversation, get online and actually ask us some questions. I do have actually a question that came in from um, an audience member, Monica. Um, who, who was a mother, and she wrote, I usually had very good communication with my son, who was 15, but it's now started to get difficult. He only talks and laughs with his friends in person and online, but he doesn't speak with me or his dad. I can relate to that. Um, only to ask things, and if we try to talk with him, the answers are one word or very short sentences. My question is how to go back to the way we used to be and have better communication, but he just doesn't seem interested in us. So that's the, that's the question. My answer to that is I think my son is always interested, but it's just that is it the stage? Is it mm. the stage that you're going through at 15? What do you think? Yeah, yeah. I think, like... Being at that stage, you're becoming your own person at that point and you're starting to have other interests, you're becoming mm. more independent. It's just like the natural cycle of what's going on with a teenager. And so getting to that stage and trying to force conversation just isn't going to work because they are interested in you, but they've got other things going on yes, now. They're not yes. a little kid anymore. You're not like the sole like adult that they know. They know other people. They hang out with friends after school. Mm. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't be worried about it. It's And it's you can't really go back to that. Um, it's just about evolving different relationships and different communication um, channels. And Annie, as I mean, what would do you think? How should parents react in that situation? So there's a couple of things. Firstly, it's about accepting that, as Carter said, relationships change, yeah. just in the same way that your friendships change, and and you see your child have different friends throughout their lives. Except, having some acceptance around that, um, and and secondly, you know you really want to be looking at what they're interested in now. If you're trying to connect with them about netball and netball actually is just not a thing for them anymore, then, yeah, you're actually just going to have a disconnect there. Mm. So spend some time actually getting to know what their interests are now. That's really and interesting. they might be new. Because even in the space of, you know, 12 months, they can go from loving basketball or loving league or loving rugby to having no interest in it at all. Yeah. But in your mind as a parent... You think they still do. So, you know, mm. you think, oh, I'll ask a question about, oh, did you watch that NBA game? Yeah. And they're no, like, Mum. I'm, actually, I'm <laughs> so not into that anymore. You no. know, but I think, you know, yeah. it is up to us to, to keep in step with our children as to what they still they like. And, and that is, that's time consuming. But, hey, we are parents. We yeah. chose to be parents. Yeah. yeah. We, we have to do that. Yeah, having an interest in your kid is really going to foster that relationship. Yeah. You just have something to connect with them and you can learn something new as well. Mm. And I think we heard in that video... Um, two of the mums were talking about how they find it really important to know who their kids' friends are. And the example they gave was they'll pick them up from school and do a carpool with some of the friends and they'll listen to music in the car and, and sort of have a little bit of fun on the way home and dropping the kids home. And so it's about, like, making sure you know who your kids' friends are. Yes. Um, and sometimes that'll mean having them over mm. and, you know, there being a bunch of 
bunch of keys in your house. <laughs> but but that's a really that's great good. way to connect. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a really great way to know exactly what's happening on, happening with your kid's life. And, you know, then you've got those other people, you know, other people that you can talk to. If you do think something maybe is going on with, with your child, you've got a relationship with their friends as well. Yeah, I mean, the other night, I mean, my son at 17, I mean, you're, you're 18, they all came over to um, to my house before they went to the footy. And, and I, it felt really good. It was so yeah. lovely to have seven, seven young men in the backyard, just sitting around, just having a chat before they all, you know, went off and had some Indian and, and went to the footy. You know, but I, I loved them being there. You know, yeah. it, was a, it was a really good feeling. I know you've got some graphics that you want to tell us about. So Let me know about those. Yeah, so I think the, the sort of next point on, on, on that Monica's question kind of gets at is when to know when it's your teen just you know, developing as, as a teenager and, and becoming independent, becoming an adult, and when actually there might be something a little bit up. Mm. Um, you know, what's a teenage mood and what's some some sort of deeper deeper feelings going on? So at Reach Out, we've actually produced what we're, um, we call the wellbeing number. And the sort of first step in the wellbeing number is tip is that you ask your kid, one to 10, how are they going? a really like simple direct question this means that when you're talking to kids who may not want to answer with more than one word yep they only have to give you one word one being totally awful 10 being out of this world awesome and if they are below four that means something's going wrong have a conversation with them why do you think you got why do, why do you think you're below four like well, what's going on what happened at school today what mm. what's been happening this week for you if they're above, above seven, what's going well for you right now? It's just as important to have that conversation. And the reason being that when they are below four, you'll be able to go, oh, well, a couple of weeks ago, you were consistently saying you were above seven and, and it was because you were going for a run every day. Yep. Maybe we could start doing that again. Yes. Um, and then I guess like the bonus tip with all of that is to ask them consistently. Mm. And you can start to see patterns. So it's like, oh, for the last two weeks, they've been telling me they're sort of four or below. Mm. I actually think something might be up more than just they had an average day here, an average day here, which we all go through. Yes. But actually, I think there's sort of a pattern emerging. And it's it, it might sound a bit funny, but it's sort of a data-driven way of mm. actually being able to have some concrete conversations with, with your with your teen, especially when they, when they do find it a bit hard to open up or when you find it hard to get them to open up. Yes. It's just a number that they can tell you yeah. and then they can walk away. Yeah, yeah, I'd say that like a number is really easy to give. It's mm. it's not too hard to think on a scale like that and give and that gives you a lot of information to work with with that scale from one to ten. And so you can know you can gauge so much of what they're feeling at that moment just by a number. And it's like you'll get that response from them. I I would respond to that easily. Is there a, a particular question that, you know, as an eighteen year old you just hate being asked by your parents. <laughs> what What are your plans for the future? I think, I think <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a big yeah. one. Um, what particularly, are you <laughs> particularly at the moment, don't ask. Um, but and I think being I, I think any question is fine, but being asked it constantly gets mm. a little overbearing. Um, keeping Keeping questions fresh, I know that's kind of difficult. But if you ask them like about things that are happening at that moment, if you know what's going on, if you ask them specifically instead of just how are you today and like ask like how did something else, mm. how did this thing go today, you're going to get a better response because we, we want to have an engaging conversation. We don't want to just keep answering, oh, yeah, I was all right, mm. I'm all right. Um, 
And so keep those questions fresh, yeah. I would say. Actually, we do have a, we have a question. We've Very got exciting. John. John from Broad Meadows. Okay. Hi, John. Hi, John. Um, thanks for being with us. And keep these questions coming, please. So John was wondering, and he directs this to you, Carter, what, I mean, what is the, how should we be starting a conversation? As a parent, what's a great conversation starter? I think it goes back to the when and where, first and foremost. I think a, con a conversation starter shouldn't be forced. I don't think you should sit down with somebody and point blank just ask them directly what you're getting at. Have a general conversation yeah. first, ease into it. It's just like you're having a conversation with a mate. Um, treat treat your child like they're a mate. Like like pretend or don't pretend. Like be mates with them. Like have that genuine conversation with them. Mm. And for me, it would be like what went well for you today yeah but that's that's personal you you sort you know your child you know what's gonna work for them but I guess it's different for everybody and I guess you know that also goes into listening um you know I think you know a lot of parents we're all pushed for time you know we all need to do a million things maybe we're trying to get out to work we're having getting breakfast we're sorting out dinner that night we've got sport da, 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 you know and, and, and trying to combine it all together so really parents have to take the time to really listen I mean I think often we'll ask a question but then don't wait for the answer. Yeah. Did you ever find that? Yeah, you jump to an like, jump no to offense a conclusion. to your parents. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but just, like you just you have them jump to a conclusion. Yeah. And it's kind of frustrating because you, if you feel like opening up or you feel like having a chat, having them just like have a predetermined image of what yeah. you're going to say really like bugs you hmm. because you you're just like well. Are you listening to me? And then, yes. and then you're going to get defensive and then it's just going to fall apart. Annie, what are your thoughts about that, about listening? So active listening, it's so important. And listening is one of those funny things that we, we do all day every day mm. and we sort of just presume we're good at. Yeah. Um, but it actually can require some, as you just said, some real proper effort to, mm. to do well. So, you know, there's little things you can do, like making eye contact, mm. nodding as you're doing right now. <laughs> but I actually mean my nod and I mean my eye contact. Yeah, and, and, and I can tell that you're actually engaging with what I'm saying. Yeah. So there's the physical cues of actually um, showing your teenager that you're, that you're listening. Um, there's also asking open-ended questions. Yep. So as Carter sort of just said, w that works really well for him, showing that you're interested by asking more, being curious. Yes. Mm. Uh, it's also really, really important uh, to do things like paraphrase mm -hmm. because again if you especially if you've sort of accidentally gone in with a predetermined notion if you can sort of reflect back what they're saying to clarify your understanding yes that can be not only a great way of getting a better understanding for yourself but also showing your teenager that you're hearing them you understood what they said you're reflecting that back to them mm. um, they're all really key uh, key parts of um, active listening um, and the final one is actually making a plan for later. Mm. So sometimes, you know, you'll have a conversation, especially, you know, if um, your teen wanted to open up to you about something, the conversation might not end there. So you don't want to just walk away from it. Making a plan to say, well, how about, um, you know, after footy on Saturday, yeah. why don't we go grab lunch together and have another chat about this? Mm. Especially if there was sort of a, a solution that you wanted to come to, um, making that plan for later can be really important so that you both know you're going to return to it. Yeah. Actually, we had a, another question from, from Byron Bay, Janine from Byron Bay. She was wondering, you know, she, she said, 
you know, we also pushed for time and, and, and even, you know, sitting around the dinner table is difficult. Is that one of the things that we should, this is Janine asking, is that one of the things we should try to make sure we do, sit around the table and talk? Yeah, I, I mean, having, having a set time where you know you're going to have a chat definitely helps um, because you can know that coming into it, you have that opportunity to open up. If you've got something that's really pressing on your mind, you know you can save it till then. You don't have to get really worked up over yeah. it. Um, but also making sure those times are organic. Like din dinner's quite a good one because it's something that generally people will sit down to do. But like if you have a set time, if you say seven o'clock, we're gonna sit in your room, you're gonna sit at your desk, I'm gonna sit in your bed and we're gonna have a chat. That's really weird. Like yeah. that, that just puts you off and you, you get nervous going into that. But if you have an organic situation like car rides, car rides are really great because you know, if you've got a planned activity each week that you know you're going to, yep. you can wait for that. Like I've, I've had that where I know going to school in the mornings, I can have that chat because I've got enough time. Yes. And I can prepare what I want to say because sometimes you don't really know what you want to say as well. Yeah. And so having, having a predetermined time really helps, but I think it's very important to keep it organic, keep it natural. Another question, um, Jennifer from Quinella in New South Wales. My daughter will tell me some things, but not everything. How can I get her to trust me and open up? So the first thing I would say to that, Jennifer, is that there might actually be some things that your teenager doesn't want to talk to you about, and that's okay. Mm. The important thing is that your teenager has other trusted adults yep. that they can talk to the, talk to about those things. Mm. And I know that's really scary and that can be um, quite potentially an uncomfortable thing to have to sort of grapple with. Um, but, you know, do you, do you have an aunt? Do you have, do you have a best friend that, that can be that trusted adult and that you know your teen can turn to and get really great advice yeah. and be able to communicate? Because there's actually just some, some topics that, you don't want to talk to mum about. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that segues really perfectly into sort of non-judgmental and judgmental conversations. You know, it is really difficult to, you know, it's often you want to say something to your child, but you, you're sounding a bit judgy, judgy. So, so how do we avoid, I guess I might go to you first, Annie, mm. how do you avoid not sounding too judgmental? So number one thing is I statements. And not eye roll statements. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> but I statements. Mm. So this is all about not being accusatory and not placing blame. Yeah. As an example, teenager is home parks curfew, doesn't let you know you're fuming. First thing off the bat is don't have a conversation when you're fuming. Yes. Because mm. that's just not going to be productive. Oh. Say, let's talk about it tomorrow or even the next day, whenever it's going to be a calm time for both of you. But in terms of the I statements, instead of saying you were really irresponsible, you had me terrified, you know, for your safety, you did this, say, I was really worried when you didn't come home on time. It made me concerned for your safety. Right. And what you're doing is you're taking the responsibility for your own feelings and emotions. Mm. If you use you statements and place blame and accuse, it's very likely your teenager or anybody yeah. <laughs> is going to be defensive is going to be on the back foot and is not going to respond very positively to that. But if you're just saying how you feel, it's hard to argue with that. Yes. If you're just saying how you feel. So, Carter, how would you cope with that? So, you know, say your mum or dad said, mm. you know, how dare you get home at 5am, you know, 
How yeah. would, what is that as opposed to mum or dad saying, oh, I was so worried. You know, yeah. what, what would you prefer to hear? Yep, definitely that they were worried. I, I prefer to hear neither, to be honest. Yeah. I, I think because you're the perfect get, get, boy. Getting off scotch-free would be great. <laughs> getting, getting home, getting home at, if you imagine this scenario, getting home at 5am, you're tired yes. and you've had a big night. You don't want your parents yelling at you. So waiting till you wait, they wake up, I think, mm. is great. But also having that accusatory stance really puts you off. I would be very, very put off mm. if my parents said, like, we're really mad at you. Why have you done this? Whereas if you, like, this is going to sound bad, but if you express your emotions, yep. I'd almost feel guilty. Mm. Like, and it's not, it's not guilt tripping, but it's getting them to understand how you're feeling. And that's so much better for creating good conversations and having them understand why what they did may have been wrong. Yes. And you can work out a better solution instead of fighting with each other and never getting that proper solution. If yeah. you understand where each other are at, then you're going to get such a better result. Yeah. Now, another, a lot of questions coming, which is great. Michael from Perth. How important is it for parents to role model good communication skills for their kids? So important. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I, I think that, that's that's pretty yeah. like if you we're going to learn everything from our parents like that's where we get it from if we see examples of good communication we're just going to emulate that I know mm. my parents have really great communication and they've always strived to have really good communication with yeah. me and so I have that with my mates as well and it's just it translates into all aspects of life that's a very general like tip if you mm. if you show good communication it's so much easier to pick up on yeah and it's that you know point around if if you don't want your teen playing with their phone whilst you're talking to them, then don't play with your phone. Yeah. Yes. And it's much easier to tell them to stop doing it if, if you're not doing it, it is. as yeah. well. And I would imagine probably quite a lot of us watching it out there would be thinking that. Because, you, know, you know, you do have to practice what you preach. Yeah. Um, so that's certainly a tip I'll be taking home. With <laughs> um, another question, actually, we've got Brisbane. We've got every state, I love this, Brisbane <laughs> yeah. here. Um, we've got uh, another, John from Brisbane. How can I permit, prepare myself to have tough discussions with my child? Because, you know, you know whether it is the discussion about the, the potential of maybe a relate, uh, mum and dad breaking up or perhaps a death in the family, um, yeah, how do you prepare as an adult, as a parent, for that kind of discussion with your child? So it, it, it is actually about preparing. So in the same way, if you, if you were at work and you had to have a tough conversation with, with someone you manage, yeah. you'd take some time before that meeting to maybe write down some of your thoughts, get yourself in a really good headspace. We were talking about headspace before, yep. making sure you know, you're calm. That might be taking some deep breaths. That might be having a glass of water. Um, but just making sure that you're going into it um, in, a, in a very calm way. The other thing is um, making sure that you're okay with silence mm. because it can be really easy when you're talking about something tough or maybe awkward. It might be talking about sex or, mm. or drugs or, or you know, and negotiating a curfew. Yeah. <laughs> um, to want to fill, fill the space, constantly fill the space. Um, but actually being okay with silence can, can really show, you know, going back to the many things we've shown, that you're non-judgmental, yes. show that you're actually there to listen, yep. that you're making space for them. Mm -hmm. um, and that can actually bode really well for some of those tough conversations where it's actually really likely that there's going to be some silences. You have to be okay with it. So I guess, you know, the, the take-out messages from both of you in regards to tips... Carter, what would you, you know, like to, you know, to say to everyone who's yeah. out there I, listening? I, I think, like, generally, 
we are not a different species. Like, we, <laughs> you don't have to take a very special approach with us. It would be act like you're talking to a friend or like a yeah. colleague. Like, like you said, if you're going to prepare for a difficult conversation, do it the exact same way. We are not that different. We do want to talk. Like, mm. I can say personally, we do want to talk. I've had friends be like, I wish my parents could talk to me the way I want them to talk. Let the teen open up to you. I think let let them take that first step. Help them foster and take that first step. I think that's so important. And there is nothing, even as, as a parent, more, to be honest, exhilarating or exciting than to have that sort of conversation mm -hmm. when you actually do feel as though you are having a conversation. It isn't just a series of yes, no's. You know, I... And, and, you know, there were some times that I'll sit with my son and this lovely conversation just naturally happens. Yeah. And, you know, and, I, and I fin we finish it and I think, wow, isn't that great? Yeah. It can happen. It does happen. And I, but I think we get a bit frustrated because we expect it to happen all the time. But it's like any relationship. Yeah. We're not all not on, on, on yeah. 24 hours a day. So I think when it does happen, boy, you know, yeah. take, take advantage of it and, and be we, happy. We enjoy it as well. Like yeah. We genuinely want to be friends with you. We yeah. want to, like, have that connection we will enjoy that conversation I've had so many conversations like that mm. that are just they're so you look back on them now and you think that was great like and you have to, you have to understand that you can't always have that no. but like when they do come treasure them and what about your tips Annie well I'd, I guess I'd like to draw out something that I think I'm hearing from both of you which is sort of focusing on the present Yes. I think it's really easy to focus on the past and go oh we used to spend so much time with you yeah. we used to be like this we used to be like that or what about the future? You know, you said one of yeah. your least favourite questions <laughs> is, is what's your plans for the future? Um, but if we can, you know, get parents to focus on the present, the, the fact that I had a good conversation today, mm. the fact that I'm having a good, good conversation now, or the fact that things are actually a bit hard right, right now and that's okay as well. Yes. Get, get, get parents to focus on the here and now uh, will, will bode very well for sort of moving forward into more effective communication. But I think that's, that's the problem with life, with all of us now. We're always thinking about, oh, what's happening next week, next weekend, next year, next month, as opposed to you know, getting home and talking about, oh, so today this happened, mm. you know, or we, or we speak retrospectively. Oh, I remember five years ago when <laughs> yeah. we actually used to sit down and have great and conversations. Like we've yes. spoken about distractions a lot and yeah. sometimes this, you know, past and future can really be a distraction to, to having a really good conversation now. Listeners, thank you for joining us. If you found this discussion interesting, we're asking you to please share the podcast with a fellow parent, subscribe and leave us a comment or rating on iTunes or your favourite podcast app. Your feedback is valued and will make the podcast better. And if you want more from Reach Out, head to reachout.com slash parents. On our next episode, we're speaking to a father of five as well as a psychologist about setting rules and boundaries for your young person. It's going to be a great discussion. Don't miss it.